Welcome to Choate's post Roe v. Wade podcast series, hosted by a multidisciplinary team of attorneys discussing the potential Supreme Court overturn of Roe v. Wade and its impact on employers, professionals, healthcare providers, data and privacy service providers, educational institutions, and investors. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the next installment of Choate's podcast series on a potential post Roe v. Wade world. I'm Allison Reef, the chair of the employment group at Choate. With me today is my partner, Wells Miller, who heads up the executive compensation and employee benefits practice at Choate. We're going to focus today on companies and their employee benefit plans and what changes might be coming in a post-row world. So we'll jump right into it. So, Wells, let's assume that the final U.S. Supreme Court opinion in Dobbs is substantively the same as the leaked one. So Roe is overturned and the issue of abortion's legality is left to the states. Let's also assume that our listeners are at companies that have employees across the country, both in states where abortion will remain a protected right and those where it will not. So first question, what happens on day one after the decision becomes effective, which is likely late June or early July? Will there be immediate changes in reproductive care coverage under plans, or do employers have to do anything in particular to change their plans at that moment? Yeah, thanks, Allison. There are no changes, specific changes, that are that would be required for most of these plans. I mean, the coverage that is currently available under those plans will still be a covered benefit. Um, on the same basis that it currently is under those plans, but access to the coverage, access to the procedures will change. Um, and so if you have you have an employer with employees in both Texas and Massachusetts, for example, um, that are covered by the employer's plan, the employees in Texas will no longer have access to the coverage while the employees in Massachusetts will. And while in general, we don't think any particular changes will need to be made to the plans themselves, um, you know, the Procedures will now not be available in certain jurisdictions, but the, the plans themselves can still cover them, particularly if the employee travels to a jurisdiction where the procedure is still available. We recommend that employers review the language of their plans, language of their policies, and their particular facts and circumstances with their, with their benefits attorneys, just to be sure that they're aware of how the coverage looks, how it will look uh, after this decision goes into effect, and to think through any potential responses or changes they may want to make. This is particularly true for for employers with self-insured plans, where they'll have a little bit more flexibility versus employers with fully insured plans. Now, when I say self-insured, I mean employers who um, who have, they're generally individually designed plans. They are plans where the employer, rather than an insurer, bears the risk of loss, where the employer collects the premiums um, and pays for the coverage. Now, you know, that's simplified. Usually these plans use, you know, a big insurer's network of Blue Cross Blue Shield administrators of Massachusetts provides their network to self-insured plans. So it looks to the employees a lot like a fully insured plan. And this is as against a fully insured plan, which is a plan where the insurer bears the risk of loss. The employer goes to the insurer, they pay a certain premium amount each month, and the insurer handles the claims. And this is an important distinction because ERISA, federal law that governs employee benefit plans, preempts state-level laws that conflict with it or that interfere with with its administration for self-insured plans. ERISA, this federal law, does not preempt state regulation of their own insurance industry. And so a fully insured plan can be subject to a different set of restrictions than a self-insured plan 
can. And that distinction is important to think about and understand and to discuss with, with somebody who's familiar with those, those rules. Okay, so you mentioned flexibility, particularly in self-insured plans. What are sort of the options out there? So a, a company has employees in a state where access to these benefits is now restricted. Um, can they just implement additional plans if they want to cover, say, travel expenses or are travel expenses already covered? What, what are some of the options there? There's a few different ways to think about it. There are some some sort of macro level concerns and some some micro level concerns or solutions. The macro level, we fully expect that states that choose to ban or severely restrict abortion will also write state level insurance laws, either prohibiting or severely restricting insurers in that state from covering abortion procedures. So if an employer has a fully insured plan written in Texas, for example, we expect that the insurance laws of Texas will prohibit those insurers from covering abortions, even if they're performed outside of the state. Whereas a self-insured plan could still offer that coverage. Coverage wouldn't be available in Texas, but if an employee travels to Massachusetts, for example, to obtain the procedure, the, the plan could still cover it. As the laws are currently written, I mean, this is all very much in a state of flux, and we expect states to write laws targeting that those specific circumstances. And there's been some saber rattling from a, a group of Texas representatives about targeting businesses that help citizens in the state of Texas obtain access to abortion. Those are sort of the macro level concerns. You also mentioned you know, travel benefits. And that's sort of the, more of the micro, this kind of the stuff around the edges that you can do to assist employees. So travel benefits, what Allison is referring to is is coverage for the cost of travel to obtain a medical procedure. And those benefits are already included in a lot of plans, not all plans, but a lot of plans already say, oh, you know, if you have cancer and there isn't a cancer specialist in your area, you need to travel and obtain lodging in order to receive that care, that the plan will cover the cost of travel, a lodging benefit, et cetera. And there's some concerns around the edges about, you know, what portion is taxable, what isn't. Um, the lodging can only be tax-free up to $50 a day, like little stuff like that. Those sorts of benefits, if prohibited by a fully insured plan, or if an insurer in a, in a state like Texas is prohibited from providing the coverage itself, a employer could still implement a self-insured sort of ancillary plan providing that travel benefit coverage. You could do it through, there's these things called HRAs, self-reimbursement accounts. There's different ways you could think about of trying to help employees receive the access on a self-insured basis. Simpler if you already have a self-insured plan. In fact, you may already offer the coverage. But even for employers that have fully insured plans, there may be some, some options. Now, again, there's potential issues, potential responses from the states targeting those sorts of benefits, potential issues with administration. Like I said, a portion of the benefit might be taxable. And so you need to think through administration of these plans, who has access to payroll, who sees that folks are receiving this sort of benefit. And those are just sort of the, the kinds of issues that an employer will want to think through at the outset with their advisors. Right. I'm assuming reproductive rights and, and getting an abortion are typically something that employees would not want their employers to know they were availing themselves of, um, or at least that's often the case. So I would assume companies want to think about if they're setting up additional plans, they're going to be administered by a third party or, or at least think through the issues around how do we make this benefit available in a way that people will be willing to take advantage of it. Right. That, that's why it's important to 
kind of think these issues through in advance so that an employer can can come up with solutions or come up with solutions well enough in advance uh, in order to to avoid sort of the unintended consequences. Right. And I know another issue that some companies are worried about at the moment, depending on their industry and their location, is indemnifying their employees. Right. So as people may know, both there's both existing and pending legislation in a number of states that would impose liability, civil and in some cases criminal, on people broadly defined, perhaps including companies, we don't know, who aid and abet women attempting to get abortions. So companies that are consider adopting some additional plans may face challenges in the form of this kind of liability for their employees or for the company itself. People may have seen in the news, for example, Uber and Lyft both announced indemnity for their worker drivers um, who are transporting women to abortions. So the company is paying the legal fees and any judgments levied against their employees as a result of violating the new anti-abortion law in Texas and potential other post-Roe world laws. And then they've faced considerable opposition from the Texas and Oklahoma legislatures in response to those announcements. We're going to talk more about that further in a separate podcast um, later in the series, but employers considering options of additional employee benefits should at least be aware that they may also need to consider indemnifying their employees, which could have substantial costs both monetarily and in the community. Right. And and those indemnifications would presumably extend to the the folks, the employees of the employer administering the employee benefit plans. And it's important to just to, to think about and discuss with an employer's advisors the possibility that or the relative benefits of a, of a self-insured plan versus a fully insured plan in those circumstances as well. You know, I mentioned ERISA and ERISA preemption of state laws. That's available to self-insured plans. And employers with self-insured plans would have an argument that state civil laws that target their employees with fines or, or other civil penalties for administering an employee benefit plan that provides access to abortion would have an ERISA preemption argument. We don't know if it would be successful. It's obviously never been tested. And one could see the current Supreme Court determining that you know those sorts of civil laws didn't directly target employee benefit plans, didn't directly affect their administration. And so we're not preempted, but at least the argument would be available. That argument is not available for employers with fully insured plans. And so just an additional factor to consider when thinking through an employer's responses to this uh, to this decision. Right. So surprise, surprise. It, it sounds like the overall advice is probably for companies to consult soon with their health insurance and employee benefits counsel to sort of sort out their particular plans and circumstances and what their options may or may not be post this decision. I think that's right, Allison. I mean, each employee benefit plan is different. Each employer is different. Each employer's geography is different where their employees are located. Um, And all of those things are part of the mix and need to be considered when considering the response. Great. Well, thanks so much, Wells. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you in the next installment of our series coming soon. Have a great day, everyone. For more information, please visit www.choate.com. You can also listen to additional podcast episodes in the newsroom of our website and subscribe to them wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The information presented in this recording is for educational purposes only. 
It does not constitute legal advice for a specific situation. If you wish to obtain legal advice, you should retain an attorney and explain the facts of your particular situation.